0: The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, well, take your Bibles with me this morning. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We've been... Uh, going through a study on the grace of God and it's a very vast subject as i've stated before and um, one that occupies a lot of time uh, we i don't think we could teach everything there is to learn uh, from from concerning the grace of God in one lifetime and uh, but we'll we'll continue today we're talking about the decrees of grace and last week we we talked about what a decree is it's it's a Predetermined, uh, it's a predetermined result. Uh, something that is that is predetermined to take place. It's a it's a it's a pre-established uh, ordinance or law, and and grace. God decreed certain things to happen, happen because of His grace, and we looked at some of those last week. We looked at first. We said that God's grace has decreed that we are to be heirs of the glory of God, that we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus by virtue of our adoption into the family of God. We look, secondly, that grace has decreed that we are to live free from the law, not that we are above the law or that we are over the law, but we are free from the the yoke of the law, and we are enabled by God's grace to obey the law and live by an even greater law, and that is the law of Christ. And then thirdly, we said we saw that grace has decreed that we become profitable uh, for the work of God. We looked at the fact that prior to being saved, no matter what good we might do, it was not profitable to God, it was not pleasing to God. But now that we are saved, God's grace has made us, has enabled us, and empowered us to do the things that are pleasing unto God. So that we looked at those three last week. We're going to look at a couple more this week. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'll begin reading at verse number 6. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a strong mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has co- saved us and called us an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have this morning. I pray that you would Uh, Give me clear thoughts as I speak today. Help me to say those things that would edify and and strengthen us. And Lord, uh, may you be glorified and may you be magnified by all that we'll do today. Thank you for this time now. We ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Fourthly today, I'd like to say that the grace of God has decreed that we are to continue in strength through Christ. That we are to continue in strength through Christ. Now we're at 2 Timothy chapter 2. So let's look at uh, 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, let's look at chapter 2. And let's look at verse number 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Now look at verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. I fear that with the complexity of society today, with the You know, life was much simpler when your grandparents were alive. At least I say that because my grandparents were alive a long time ago. Now, to my grandkids, I'm their grandparents, so things might be a little, the perspective might be a little different. But those of us who are older, when our grandparents and our great-grandparents were here, things were much simpler, weren't they? Weren't they? There was no Internet. There were no cell phones. There was no television. In some, some cases, there was even no radio. We, you awakened in the morning. You you went out into your field and you labored. You came home at the end of daylight and you sat around the table and fellowshiped with your family. You might, you probably, in most cases, probably shared the word of God and, and, and went to bed and woke up the next day and, and, and continued. So, staying focused, keeping your mind and your heart focused on God was a lot easier. I mean, we have to acknowledge that. There are so many distractions today. There are so many things happening today. It becomes much more difficult for a person to wake up in the morning and immediately focus their heart and mind on the Lord when we have so many pressing things to deal with. And one of the things I think that has escaped The mind of believers is that we are at war. We are in a literal battle today. It's not a battle we can see. It's, it's not a battle where we hear bombs and, and we hear bullets whizzing by our head and, and things such as this. But there is a real battle taking place today in your heart. It is the Spirit of God battling the flesh. And we are at war constantly. Your, your, your flesh and the spirit constantly are at war within you. And it's so easy to forget about that. And if we're not careful, we become overwhelmed by that. And we become discouraged. And we become despondent. And we, we kind of just slip away from the Lord and say, what's, why even bother? I can't do this. And we fall back into the world and we fall back into sin. And, and if you think this morning as you sit here that you're above that, take heed, my friend. Take heed. Now, God's grace has decreed that we will, will daily be able to renew our strength in Christ, that we constantly are able to, to strengthen our, our hearts and minds and our faith. We just read, and, and Paul wrote to Timothy, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He tells us to be strong in the grace of Christ, Not not in our own flesh, not in our own understanding, not in our own wisdom, but to be strong in the grace that has been given to us by Christ Jesus. And then he he, he compares this strength with that of a good soldier. How many of you here were soldiers? Raise your hand if you were a soldier, if you were in the military. Um, We were trained, weren't we? We were prepared. I went through combat training. And I was taught and I was trained and I was prepared to face the rigors of battle. Now, I was never in a physical battle, and and I've been told that all the training and all the preparation you can get cannot prepare you for the carnage of a battlefield. But we were trained, we were taught to be good soldiers. Now, I want to take that thought for just a moment. I want to share some attributes of a good soldier that we can apply to our lives as, as soldiers of Christ in this battle that we face. So first, letter A, a good soldier is obedient. A good soldier is obedient. The author in Hebrews, which I think is Paul, but uh, the author of Hebrews writes in the 13th chapter, the 17th verse, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Now, I was a soldier, and, and I believe I was a, a good soldier. I, I was discharged from the military with, honorably, with honorable discharge, never had a blemish on my record, and, and, and I believed I was a good soldier. So I know a few things about being a good soldier. And I most definitely will say, that a good soldier is one who desires who's proud to show honor to his commander he he's proud to bring honor to the name of his commander we we used to um on the base i was on we had we had different group commanders and and we always we always tried to to be the sharpest group out there uh, march the best and and, and pass our inspections with the highest scores and things like that, because that brings honor to the name of your commander. And, and, and we're admonished in Hebrews to obey them that have the rule over us, to submit ourselves to them, because they watch for our souls. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Verses 12 and 13, Paul writes, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now, there's a bond, there's a bond between a soldier and his commander. It's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's, it's closer. In many cases, it's as close or closer than a brotherly bond between the soldier, his fellow soldiers, and the commanding officer. There is a there is a close knit bond. Uh, and often, over the years, I've 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 seen I, I I read this every year. The survivors of of the ship. Um, what, what was the name of that ship? Huh? The Arizona. The survivors of that ordeal come together once a year, and there is such a bond between those men, such a bond. And they they look after each other year-round and careful enough because there's a closeness that comes to, to a soldier with his fellow soldiers and now a good soldier, not a bad one, but there's a bond, there's a closeness. And this bond between the soldier and his commander is the strength of the soldier, It is what makes one soldier willing to lay down his life for another. The Marines have a motto, it's semper fidelis, which means always faithful. It is this commitment that enables each Marine to place his own life, his own safety in the hands of his comrades and know that they will do everything they can to to take care of him and, and to secure him. When you're in a battle, you don't have time to wonder if the guy next to you is doing his job or not. You don't have time for that. You, you need to be doing your job so that he can have confidence in you, and you need to trust that he's doing his job so he can, have, he can do his job and know that the guy next to him is going to do his job and goes right down the line. We need to esteem one another Paul said, told told, uh, the Thessalonians, to esteem each other highly and love. How valuable is your relationship to other members of this church? How dependable are you to them? It is this level of commitment that we need today. We need this level of commitment to God, the Father, to Christ, the Lord, we need this level of commitment to our church. We need this level of commitment to one another. And this level of commitment will be manifested by our obedience. You show me a Christian who is disobedient to God and his word, and I'll show you a person who, is, who, who, who you can't count on. And I'm not trying to be mean or unkind. I'm just being factual. I've learned in life, I'm, 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 I'm not a spring chicken. I'm a fall chicken. And, and I've learned I can identify those that I can trust and those that I can have confidence in. And if I can do that, don't you think the Lord can do that? A good soldier is obedient. What about you today? Are you obedient to the Lord? Your obedience will be manifested in your life. But a good soldier not only is obedient, but let her be, a good soldier is content. He's content. In Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, we read it a moment ago. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now, there's an old joke in the military that, they say uh, they say this if the army wanted me to have a wife they would have issued me one. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if I'd want a wife that the army would issue. But it stems on the fact that when people ask soldiers are you are you sorry or do you regret all the sacrifices you've made? And their answer is no. No because to be a good soldier means that you're committed to, to what you're doing. I mean, for me, there was no choice. I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't drafted. I didn't enter service under a draft. I, I joined. I volunteered. The war in Vietnam had recently ended. There was no more draft. I was disappointed. On my 18th birthday, I walked into my county seat to register for the draft, and they said, we don't do that anymore. You don't have to register anymore. I said, what? My grandpa used to tell me this. He used to say, boy, you're a soldier born without a war. And, and, and I've always had that kind of, and I'm not boasting, I've just always had that kind of, that kind of fortitude that, that a soldier has. And uh, I joined the military because I was, I was convinced that before I sat back and begin to enjoy the freedom I have, I had to pay a price for it. That others have paid, and there's a contentment in a soldier's life. There's no regrets. People ask me, "Do you do you do you regret going through the military? What about boot camp? You know, you." I, I always tell them this: I I I value every moment in boot camp. I wouldn't want to go through it again, but I value I value every one of them. And there's a contentment in the life of a soldier. A soldiers, a soldier's content in First Timothy chapter 6, Paul tells us, "But godliness with contentment is great gain. for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out, and having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. And we need to learn to be content with the things that God has given us. This is why so many Christians today are weak and failing. They are discontented. And their discontented hearts have weakened them through Christ. We have given ourselves over to the lust of the flesh. And this has led us to live a greedy and envious life. Paul learned to accept all things in his life. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, he says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content contentment is a wonderful gift if you have the gift of contentment in your life then thank god because it's a wonderful thing now there's some things that hinder our, our our contentment pride we get the we get the feeling that we deserve better than we have selfishness we don't want to share what we have or or we want what everybody else has and these things <clears throat> these things will destroy your contentment And and Paul reminded us just a moment ago, I read it, he said, we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out. I heard it once said this way, we came into this world naked and screaming and that's the way we're going out. And we have nothing from this life that we can take with us. So why do we try to amass all these things? Solomon said, all the things that you gather and collect, someone else. Will enjoy them. Read, read. Sometimes the Book of Ecclesiastes, as Solomon talks about the vanity of riches, and he says somebody else is going to do it. Somebody else is going to live in that house that you just have to have. Somebody else is going to enjoy the material things in life that you have gathered together. Now, it's it's good, perhaps, as a parent to leave something to your children. That's that's a good thing to help your children in their future and have an inheritance to give. But we shouldn't live for those things. And that the drive to, to have more and bigger and greater causes people to, to turn away from God, to chase after dreams or visions or hopes. My wife has a, a little plaque in our bathroom. I see it every morning. I read this every morning. It, go, it's, it's, it states this, Lord, Grant me the contentment to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I, I think that's what we need today. Listen, that's God's children, if, if there's something we can do about a situation in our life, then we should do it. We shouldn't be lazy. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be a coward. If, if something needs to be done, we should do it. But you need to learn that the things you can't control and you can't change, you need to just be content and let them go. I don't worry about things I can't change. I don't fret and worry over, over, over things that I have no control over. I change the things in my life. I, I control the things in my life that God has enabled me to and that I can. And the other things, I just let them go. I'm, I'm just, I guess you'd say I'm an easy go, how do I say that? Lucky go easy, easy go lucky guy, whatever, I don't know. Easy come, easy go, no, that's not it. Get out of my preaching, girl. But there's some things we just can't change, you understand that? There's some things you just can't do anything about. And the only thing you can do about them is pray and put them in God's hand and say, Lord, Paul did that. Paul had some type of affliction. He, he brought it to the Lord. He laid it in his hands. He prayed three times, he said. And God said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And, and, and that's what we need to learn. Yeah, you know, sometimes we may face disappointment because things aren't going the way we want them to go or things aren't just as nice as we want them to be. Maybe we see somebody else rejoicing over some great thing in their life and we're over here and we don't have that. And we, we tend to want to say, Whoa is me. I don't have that. But, you know, are you working as hard as them? Are you as diligent with your money as them? Things like that. Can you make changes in your life so you can be there? If you can, make them. If you can't, rejoice with them and say, blessed be the Lord. So we need to learn to be content. And a good soldier is content. A good soldier is, isn't in the middle of the battlefield complaining, well, you put me over here. I want to be over there. Hey, you, go, you better shut up and start shooting. That's what you better do. You better be happy where you are and dig in with your comrades and let's fight together and let's get through this thing. What are you living for in this life? Is this your final, is this your final destination? You know what? If earth is, is your final home and you don't have heaven to wait for, then you better live for earth. But I'm not living for I'm not living for now. I'm trying to I'm trying to be an encouragement to others. I'm trying to love my wife and love my grandchildren and my children. I'm trying to serve the Lord. I'm trying to I'm trying to be a help to the church and the kingdom and the people of God. But this is not my home. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere behind the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's golden shores, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Quit living for now and live for eternity. Put your heart and mind on the future and see what God has prepared for you, and all of a sudden the the treasures of this earth are like rusted copper coins. They're of no value. So a good soldier, he's content. He's obedient. He's content. And then thirdly, a good soldier is courageous. A good soldier is courageous. One of my favorite Bible characters was Joshua. Uh, and, and in Joshua chapter 23 and verse 6, Joshua is imparting counsel to the people of God. And this is what he says. Be therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside theref- therefrom to the right hand or to the left. He said, Be ye therefore very courageous. Now what is courage? Courage is defined as that quality of mind which enables men to face danger and difficulties with firmness or without fear, or depression of spirits. That's, the, that's Webster's definition of courage. Courage is not an act of ba- bravery based upon a certain result. It doesn't take courage to, to do something if you know you're going to survive, if you know you're going to be safe. It doesn't take courage. Courage is bravery and steadfastness in the face of adversity when there is no assurance of victory. That's that's courage. It is an act of bravery based upon principles and not consequences. We have some some examples in the Bible. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We don't have time to turn to it in Daniel chapter 3. You can read it later. But the king built an idol to himself. It stood 90 feet tall. And it was an idol of King Nebuchadnezzar. And and he passed a proclamation that when you hear the music play, you're to stop whatever you're doing and you're to bow down and worship that idol. And the, the, the law stated that if you did not do so, you would be cast into a fiery furnace as punishment. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't, wouldn't do it. When the music would play, they refused to bow down and worship that idol. They wouldn't do it. And they had no guarantee that what the, what the consequences were going to be. Now, they knew what the, what the law said. The law said they were going to have to be thrown into the fire furnace, but they didn't care about that. They were going to make their decision based upon the principles, not upon the consequences. And we, we know what happened. They were brought before the king and they said, King, we're not afraid of you. Do what you want to us, but know this, that as of this day, you will not have, your hand will not control us. We will be controlled by God. That's, that's what they told the king. After today, King, you'll have no authority over us whatsoever. We'll either be dead and in heaven with our father or you'll shut up and leave us alone. Now that took courage. That took real courage. And we know the result. The king became angry. He had them, he had them bound hand and foot with their clothes as they were and, and had them cast into the furnace. And the furnace was so hot, the, the men that cast them in died from the heat. And the king looked over the edge of the furnace and said, wait a minute, didn't we throw three men in there? Yes, king, we threw three. He said, I see four men loose. And the fourth is as unto the Son of God. And that was courage. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of there, and not even even a thread on their clothes was singed. And from that day forward, King Nebuchadnezzar left them alone. How about Daniel? Same thing. Passed the law, you could pray to no other gods. Daniel didn't go hide in his room and pray. He opened his windows and he knelt down and he prayed to God. And he knew the consequences. The consequences was to be cast into the the den of lions. And Daniel faced that judgment. He was thrown in. The next morning the king came and, and cried to Daniel in the den, Daniel, could your God save you? He said, O king, live forever. My God came down last night and he closed the mouths of the lions. Could you see those lions that night? Can you imagine that? I can see Daniel sitting over on one side and those lions crouching over on the other side like little puppies. (laughs) And an angel stood between them and, 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 and dared the lions to move. I don't know about you. That's the God I want to serve. That's the God I want to serve. David. David stood there. Goliath was nine feet, nine inches tall. If we lowered that basketball rim, you'd see how tall Goliath was. Nine foot, nine inches tall. His helmet weighed 26 pounds. His shield was so big that he had a guy walking in front of him carrying his shield. His his spear was the size of a weaver's beam, which is the size of a three-inch fence post, eight foot long. David stood in front of him with a, with a staff and a, a bag of stones. And he shook his little teenage finger at him and said, this day the birds are going to eat your flesh. Took courage. Hear the last words of the great American patriot, Captain Nathan Hale, as he was hanged by the British Army on September 22, 1776, at the age of 21. He stated this, I regret that I have but one life to give for my country. You see, a good soldier is courageous. So how much today are you willing to pay to honor, worship, and serve God? And the grace of God has decreed that you and I should continue in strength through Christ our Lord. We've been given all that we need to be that good soldier. And it's up to us to use what God has given us. Grace has been de- decreed to us; has given us, made us heirs of glory, to live free from the law, uh, to be profitable for the work of the Lord, to continue in strength of Christ, and then fifthly, to grow in wisdom. Peter wrote in Second Peter chapter three: "But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be both be, be glory both now and forever. Amen." Solomon spoke a lot about wisdom. And he should because he was the wisest man to ever live except Jesus Christ. I don't have time to read all the verses I've referenced in, 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 in our study this morning. We're about out of time. But I've heard people come to me and say, you know, I wish I was as wise as Solomon. Well, I got good news for you today. Because if that's your wish, you can be. Because all of the wisdom of Solomon has been recorded in the word of God. And it's all available for you. James, in, in James chapter one, writes, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. If you, if you lack wisdom today, go to God and, and, and pray for that wisdom. Ask God to give you wisdom, and he will not withhold it from you. God will grant you the wisdom to know right and wrong. Question is, will you accept the wisdom of God? Because sometimes God's wisdom might lead us in a path we don't want to go. And it's then that we say, Oh, well, now wait a minute, God. You know, I'm amazed that in this day in which we have so much technological advancement, we are still so lacking in godly wisdom. Maybe it's what well, as James stated in James chapter four, verses one through three, he writes, From whence come wars and fightings among you. Come they not hence, even of your own lust? That war in your members ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Maybe that's the problem. We're selfish. We're lustful. When we come to God and pray, we're not coming to God to pray for His glory, for His Well, for His benefit, we're coming to Him to pray for ourselves, for our, for our own wants, our own needs, our own desires. And God knows our heart and He sees us, He sees into our hearts and He says, wait a minute. You don't want this answered prayer for me. You want this answered prayer for you. You want to consume this upon your own lust. You, you're not seeking my glory. You're not, you're not trying to, to glorify me. Grace has decreed that we should grow in wisdom. Now, let me take just a moment, give you three thoughts, and we're done. I'm just going to read these off. First, study. Study. 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. Listen, you're not going to gain God's wisdom unless you open his book. Get in the Bible and study. Secondly, sanctify. Peter said, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always. Sanctify. Listen, make your life gods. Give up your, give up your, your own agenda and, and, and walk in the ways of Christ. Do what God would have you do and, and let God guide you and let, let him steer you. And then thirdly, separate. 2 Corinthians 6, uh, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Um, it says, come out from among them and be separate, say the Lord. Separate. Listen, I know you got to work in the world. I know you got family in the world. I know you got friends and things like that. But, but, but listen, don't make that your life. I get up every morning and I go to work. And I, I come home at the end of the day and I look forward to coming home because it's then that I can, I can be with my family. It's then that I can, that I can get in the Word of God. It's then that I can serve the Lord. We're in the world, but we shouldn't be of the world. Amen? Separate. Study, sanctify, separate, and we'll grow in God's wisdom. Alright folks, I've, I'm out of time, I have to stop. Thank you for being here this morning. Have a great day, and you're dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275, or write to us at Berean Baptist Church. 6298 Country Club Drive, Roner Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.